Welcome to High Performance Mindset with Dr. Sindra Kampoff. Do you want to reach your full potential, live a life of passion, go after your dreams? Each week, we bring you strategies and interviews to help you ignite your mindset. Let's bring on Sindra. Welcome to the High Performance Mindset Podcast. This is your host, Sindra Kampoff, and I'm grateful that you're here, ready to listen to an interview with Dr. Kay Porter. Now, first, I want to thank all of you who reached out to me on Monday. On Monday, I have the, had the incredible privilege of running the 121st Boston Marathon. It was actually my fifth Boston Marathon, my 15th marathon overall. Um, but I got really choked up after this race. Um, I think, you know, this is something so incredibly special about the Boston Marathon, the way that the community comes together and the way the state comes together and there's so many times throughout the race where three or four people deep, um, just cheering as loudly as they can, supporting you, giving you ice, water, popsicles, anything that you need. And my, my favorite point of this race in particular was Wellesley College. And I, I always love Wellesley, but this time I really tried to savor it and just take it all in. And there were probably you know 500 college girls just outside along the course near Wellesley. They all had their hands out with these signs. I probably slept 150 hands through Wellesley College that helped me just fuel me for three or four miles later. So I just want to thank all of the volunteers, 9,000 volunteers for 30,000 runners. An incredible, incredible race. So if you have an opportunity to go and watch, be a spectator, or if you have the awesome opportunity to run, it's definitely th- something that you should you should take in. And I have, have a new respect for the distance, even though I ran this 15 times. Um, but afterwards, I, I'm having a hard time walking today, <laughs> having to go through um, going downstairs sideways, actually. So just want to thank, again, all of those people out there at the Boston Marathon on Monday. Congratulations to those runners who are listening who finished it. So let's move on to the interview with Dr. Kay Porter. I'm going to start with an iTunes review. And this iTunes review is from The Running Pastor. The Running Pastor said this, Dr. Cinder Kampoff is passionate about helping her listeners grow to be the best possible version of themselves. You know it, Running Pastor. And she provides very down-to-earth and practical advice to help you grow and become the person that you want yourself to be. Her podcasts help me focus on the little things that I can do each day to be ready to face any challenge that comes my way. As a dad of two teenage girls, I'm also putting these tools into practice that she provides in that way. So running pastor, I just want to thank you so much for heading over to iTunes and for giving us a five-star review over there. It helps us reach more and more people each week. So grateful for you, the running pastor. Now, I shared with you on the last couple of interviews that my goal is to double the downloads of this podcast in 100 days. I so appreciate all of your help in uh, helping us achieve that goal so that we can reach more and more people each and every week. So if you could do this for us, one of three things, if you could tweet about the podcast or post it on social media, maybe an episode that you found particularly helpful, that would be awesome. Maybe post a quote that you liked. Or you can head over to iTunes or Stitcher Radio and provide us a review over there. Or tell a friend about a podcast. So we'd really uh, be grateful if you could do one of those three things um, to help grow the podcast and help us keep these amazing interviews free. So today we're celebrating 102 episodes. Wow, pretty amazing. And today's interview is, is with Dr. Kay Porter, who owns Porter Performance Systems, a sport and organizational counseling firm in Eugene, Oregon. 
She teaches mental training techniques to athletes, teams, businesses, and school districts. And she's also worked as a sports psychology consultant to the University of Oregon Athletic Department, USA Track and Field, and the U.S. Tennis Association. She is the author of The Mental Athlete and Visual Athletics, which is actually one of my favorite imagery books that provides incredible imagery scripts. So in this interview, she talks about several different things. She talks extensively about her philosophy of using energy psychology within her framework of mental training, so that's really interesting. And then there are three things that I encourage you to look, listen for. She talked about what three things to do after performance. She also shares these the different refocusing techniques you can use to get your attention on what really matters most. And then uh, she talks about how there is no such thing as failure, only feedback. We'd love to hear from you. If you head over to Twitter, you can um, send us a tweet. Kay's Twitter handle is Dr. Kay Porter, and mine is at mentally underscore strong. So I'd love to hear from you at, um, in terms of what stood out to you about this interview. So without further ado, let's bring on Kay. Welcome to the High Performance Mindset Podcast. I'd like to welcome Kay Porter here. She's joining us from Eugene, Oregon. How are you doing, Kay? Great. Raining as usual here. <laughs> and it's windy here. We got like 30 mile an hour winds, so <laughs> lots of things we can't control. So I'm excited to interview you today on the podcast. And to get us started, can you just tell us a little bit about your passion and what you do? Yes. You know, I love what I do. And I've been doing sports psychology consulting and business consulting uh, for like 30 years. And it's the first thing, I, I've been a lot of other things. I was a computer programmer, uh, systems analyst. I did all this weird stuff. And I got tired of things. And this is uh, my last career. I love it. And it's always interesting. And I love the athletes and the business people that I work with. And it's, uh, it's very invigorating. So I love it a lot. Well, tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are in your career. I mean, 30 years of doing this in terms of performance psychology. So how'd you get there? Weirdly, <laughs> uh, I was a, a gerontology professor at the University of Oregon, for goodness sakes. And I, I was a distance runner. And um, so I had a bunch of coaches that I knew. And, they, and I was, even back then, into visualization and imagery. And uh, they wanted me to work with their teams. And so I worked with a bunch of the teams at the U of O before they uh, had anybody in their athletic department or anything like that. So that's how I got started. Then I quit being a professor and I went into private practice. And so that's what I've done ever since. Oh, that's awesome. So 30 years in private practice? Yep. 32 now. 32 years. Yep. And always in Eugene? Yes. Yes. I love Oregon very much. And I love hiking here and it's, it's a gorgeous place. So I've, I've been here since 1970, actually. 1970. Wow, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, Kay, I know you, you have an opportunity to work with some of the, the nation's best. And so I'm thinking about your work with USA Track and Field and even U.S. Tennis Association. What do you see distinguishes the best athletes from others? And I know you've done some work with businesses and at school districts. So we could maybe even make this a little bit more broader. What do you see that the, that the best do differently? Well, I think that sometimes the best do these things automatically. Nobody has taught them how to do it. They just automatically visualize or image things. Very interesting, you know. Um, 
they're not schooled in it, but they know how to do it, and it just sort of comes naturally to them. The good news is that people who don't do it naturally can be taught, and they can learn these techniques, and that's what's so cool about it. Yeah, and and you so you see that the best use visualization, they've just learned it on their own. Do you think that it's just something innate within them, or tell us a little bit more about your perspective on that? What I find interesting is that most of them have a pretty positive attitude. They're able to let go of mistakes easily and refocus. And that's one of the most important things is when you screw up, you let it go and you refocus and you do it again. I've, I've never met Tiger Woods, but I was always fascinated in his early career, how he could hit the worst shot in the world and recover from it. And mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, there, there was a really interesting book a long time ago about, it was called Think Like Tiger. And it was about how he was trained by his father and a, a psychologist, actually, that was his father's friend. And he went and meditated with monks because his mom um, was a, a Thai uh, Buddhist. And so he had that training early on, and you could really see it in his golf game and the focus and concentration and letting go that he was able to do. Absolutely. So the best use visualization to imagine success and have a positive attitude and they third let they let go of mistakes. They can move on really quickly. Yes. Yeah. You know, I think of those three things, I think letting go of mistakes quickly is, is something that I see people really struggle with. You give us a little insight in how you might work with somebody in terms of letting go of the mistake. Well, you know, I do something called energy psychology, which is certainly not taught in universities. And most professors would go, ooh, <laughs> weird stuff. <laughs> but in private practice, you do a lot of weird stuff to see if it works or not. Absolutely. And, <laughs> so I've been doing energy psychology for a long time, which includes imagery and visualization, but it also includes something called EFT, which is emotional freedom technique and there are these techniques that you can do where you tap different meridians in the body, which is another discussion altogether, but they're energy fields in the body. You tap those, you blink. Um, I do rapid eye therapy to release uh, trauma or, or obsessive thoughts, etc. And so this is, this is, I believe the cutting edge, certainly in, psychotherapy, but also the cutting edge in sports psychology. And I just don't think that that many people are doing it yet. One of the things that was interesting, I I haven't worked with um, a guy named Devin Allen, who is, um, let's see, he won the NCAAs and the um, U.S. trials in the 110 hurdles. And he's from the University of Oregon. And at the Olympics, he was standing in the tunnel and I saw him tapping his chest and I wondered who taught him how to do that and so he was a guest speaker uh, for the Oregon Track Club last month and so I asked him afterwards where'd you learn what were you doing and he yeah. said my coach in high school taught me to do that to nice. myself and I'm going awesome teach it really here at the university as far as I know well, and I, I've been to a few events, um, a guy named Brendan Burchard. I went to one of his events and he had us like tap above our eyes and below our yes. eyes yes. and around our ears. Is yes. this kind of tapping you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen his things online. I, I've never um, looked, as any, looked at any of his videos, but yes, that's um, emotional freedom technique. EFT is what he was EFT. teaching. 
Nice. Yeah. I, I just learned something there. EFT, yeah. that's what it's called. <laughs> well, okay. What do you see you know, your clients struggle with mentally? Letting go of the mistakes uh, and refocusing, getting nervous. Uh, it depends on, you know, it really depends on the sport, the age of the client, uh, a lot of different things. But uh, mostly it's nervousness either before an event or during an event, uh, letting go of mistakes, uh, learning how to visualize the course and it like golf course, what you want to do, how to, how to do that. And but mostly the, the first two, just the nervousness, pre-competition, anxiety is what I would call it. And letting go of mistakes, refocusing and moving on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and when you think about how you might help your clients with anxiety or pre-competition anxiety, and I'm sure if some people are listening and, and saying, oh yeah, you know, I have some people on my team, if they're coaches who struggle with anxiety or, or they might struggle with it, with it themselves, what kind of advice or tips would you give them? Well, one of the things that I do with people uh, um, is some of the tapping stuff and the blinking stuff. And so something that I use is a refocusing technique, which is blinking and breathing and balancing the left and right brain. And so what that basically is, is looking, and I tell people never to do this in front of other people because it looks so weird and don't do it in front of your, your teammates. I mean, when I work with a team, they laugh and, you know, they make fun of me and stuff, but it's like, some of them actually use it, but you know, right. say go in the restroom and you know, do it in the stall or something. But anyway, um, the refocusing technique is basically maybe three to four seconds of rapid blinking, eye blinking, and then squeezing your eyes shut and wide open three or four times, and then three deep breaths, and then looking left to right. And so what that does is the blinking releases, and this is all based on rapid eye um, movement, from sleep cycles actually, but it's artificially created when we're awake by doing these techniques. So um, it releases the thoughts or the images, then you oxygenate your system with the deep breaths and then looking side to side, keeping your head straight, you're balancing your left and right brain. It's awesome, it's super simple. And I teach it for many, you know, to every one of my clients just about, whether they're athletes or business people or students or whoever. And tell us a few success stories about using this technique. Let's see. Uh, well, golf, for one thing, I can think of one guy when he made mistakes. This is quite current. Um, when he made mistakes, he would just do that and be able to refocus completely and let go of it. Uh, also, I used it with a pole vaulter who would stand at the end of the runway and he would blink a little bit and then he would breathe into his solar plexus, which is uh, above your waist and below your heart center. And he just breathe in there three times. And then he'd look at the runway and then, because it was just like clearing his mind and they'd look at the runway and then take off. That's awesome. And you know, I'm thinking, I'm just putting my mind and visualizing actually, you know, the, him standing on the runway. And this, that's something that you can easily do on the golf course or mm -hmm. on the runway and you don't look crazy. You know, you just, you're blinking and breathing and looking left to right. It looks pretty natural. It does. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And, uh, 
golf or anything, you know. One of the books that I found rather interesting, it's, it's pretty, I don't remember what year it came out. It's sort of old, but it's uh, by uh, Bob Rotella, and it's called The Unstoppable, Unstoppable Golfer. And um, I really liked what he said. I like the book because he's a very applied guy, and so it's mostly stories and what he tells people and so forth. But it was like he told the, the golfer to stop obsessing about no he didn't use that word but stop worrying about his technique and everything like that it was mainly you know look at the hole or look where you're going to hit it and hit it and let it roll you know i mean and your body takes over because you have all that training and if you can get out of your own way with all those technique thoughts uh and just let your body take over then and guy won british open or whatever it was 2011, I think it was, that he was talking about. His books are really good and, and really helpful. So if anybody yeah. listening wants to check those out, they're Bob Rotello's books. Hey, I'm thinking about, you know, is there a topic or a technique you always cover? And you've shared a few thus of those today, but one that you haven't really talked a little, lot about is visualization. I know you wrote a book, Visual Athletics. I was telling you before we started recording the call, I have two copies that's how much I love the book. And I know there are some used copies on Amazon right now, but tell us about imagery and the, the power that you see of imagery. Oh, it's so powerful. Yeah, that's a cult classic. That's what I call it, a cult classic. It's, the book? promote it. So I don't know how many copies are out there, but I have no idea. Maybe a, a thousand or two. I don't know. Not very many. I might be the only one that has two copies, huh? <laughs> well, except me. I have several, too. <laughs> but uh, it was what it is is a bunch of scripts for a lot of different um, uh, sports and what I did with those scripts is actually I went into a sound studio and I recorded all mm. of them and they're on my website you can download them uh, they're uh, mp3 files and they're about 10 to 15 minutes a piece um, and I have a very relaxing voice and so when you listen to them, you need to sit in a chair as opposed to lie down because I promise you, you'll be asleep in five minutes. Uh, because part of visualization, at least when you're sitting and visualizing your sport or whatever you're doing, uh, one of the aspects is relaxation. And that way it goes in deeper. So, um, and imagery, really visualization is sort of a catchword, but, um, what it really is is imagery where you have all all your senses your your kinesthetic senses you know your feelings your thoughts um your images your sounds whatever they are one of the things that when i worked a lot i actually am starting to work with golfers again but uh one kid years ago that i worked with at u of o was on the golf team and we're out there and i i like to go out on the golf course with him and um, we're out there, and I'm having him close his eyes and tell me what he sees. And he goes, gray. <laughs> it's like, and I found out, I mean, usually I test people for this, but I, he slipped by me for some reason. He was totally auditory. Oh, <laughs> sure. You know, so something like that, you have to use the auditory um, and kinesthetic cues as opposed to visual cues because he didn't have any. It was just too funny. 
And so the, the MP3 files that you have on your website could help just in terms of hearing the auditory and being able to give you some direction in terms of what you should. Oh do. yes. Yeah. And it's, and it's, uh, they're in detail and in terms of the sport, whatever it is, there's a couple, well, there's maybe four or five that are general, like uh, goal achievement, you know, which can be for any sport, um, pain, healing, um, let's see, healing injury and dealing with pain. Those are sort of general. Um, there's one about going to sleep. There's one about stress reduction, uh, but most of them are specific sports. And, uh, and I consulted with um, a bunch of the coaches who coach these different things, you know, so they're, they're quite helpful. Yeah. I, I think one of the best golf um, visualizations I've ever seen is much better than mine, actually, is Bob Rotella's in that book in The Unstoppable Golfer. It's really nicely written and uh, it's excellent. So, so, so the, the thing about that you want to do about having an MP3 file, you can write your own visualization and record it. Now it's so easy. Um, some people don't like to hear their own voices, but some people do. But what it's good for is that you just close your eyes and you're just listening to it. And you're imaging, you're feeling, you're going through this whole thing. But the coolest thing that I didn't have any idea when I first started doing visualizations is that it actually trains your mind to concentrate and focus. Because if you think about 25 different things in 10 minutes, you know that you're not focusing and concentrating. <laughs> your mind is flying around. And so one of the things about listening to these is that when you go, oh, I'm off somewhere, you know, thinking about what I'm going to have for dinner. You bring your mind back to my voice. And so that's how people train themselves to focus and concentrate too, which is a byproduct. I had no idea until people kept saying that. And then uh, some of the kids that <clears throat> I worked with early on would go, is this supposed to change my life or help in my life too? I'm going, well, why do you ask that? And he says, Oh, because I'm getting along better with my parents and my girlfriend and I, I feel better and I was just stunned, you know. It's like, yes, awesome. Yeah, that shows you the power of your work. Kate, how often would you say that we should listen to the MP3s or just, you know, use imagery on our own? Like how often would you say, you know, that you do you encourage your clients to do that? A couple times a week. And I don't want them to do it well, it depends on how involved they get. Um, I certainly don't want them to do it the day of necessarily to listen to it um, because when we listen to it, a lot of times we get pretty energetically involved. And so I would rather they do it, you know, the day before, the night before, preferably the day before um, and not the day of. And one of the things I've had uh, tennis players do and not necessarily listening to the MP3s, but just, um, and this is what I did when I was growing up <laughs> before visualization was ever coined a term or anything. But my coach had me lie in bed uh, at night before I went to sleep for maybe 10 minutes. And just because I'm a really good visualizer, I visual uh, kinesthetic mostly. And I would visualize the court and I would imagine hitting my backhand in different places because that's what I was trying to strengthen. You know, and 10 minutes maybe or five minutes because you do go to sleep, you know, when you start doing that. But anybody can do it. It's a little short verse. And you can do it on the golf course looking. 
where you want to hit that ball. How does this relate to business leaders or entrepreneurs? And I'm thinking about perhaps your MP3 imagery script on, on just goal attainment. You know, that could apply. But just tell us how you might encourage a business leader or entrepreneur to use imagery. I'll tell you how I've used it. Okay, that's <laughs> but, perfect. But I had a talk at, uh, in Boston one time for 1,500 people, and I was the dinner speaker, which is always hard to do because people – been drinking and they're not listening and all that stuff but what I did was I had all my you know what I was going to say and I you know I had I don't memorize what I'm going to say I just speak extemporaneously but um I knew what I was going to say and so my visualization was about eating dinner talking to my uh, seatmates not, you know, and being in my, being in the moment. Oh, that's one of the things that I didn't mention at all, hardly, but being in the moment, being in the moment, being in the moment. And so I just visualized myself, you know, being strong and people wanting to hear what I had to say. And then when I got there, I just made myself be in the moment. So I never got nervous. I didn't even get nervous when I stood up in front of, you know, at the podium in front of all those people. But that being in the moment is one of the most powerful things for not getting nervous. Absolutely. Yeah. What would you, what would you tell people who are like, well, yeah, that's pretty hard to stay in the moment. You know, how did you train yourself to do that? Well, you know, being a therapist has helped me a lot because I am present for that person. I'm not thinking about what I'm going to do later. I'm not thinking about dinner. I'm not thinking about anything except what they're telling me. And maybe I'll think about it. Okay. Let's see. I wonder if I can do this with them. But I am totally present. And so, I mean, that's why mindfulness is such a hot topic right now in sports psychology and just in general for the general population is mindfulness. You know, being present is part of mindfulness and paying attention. And uh, instead of, you know, looking at your phone as you're walking across campus or in my Pilates class, and I, I actually take one at the university uh, with a friend of mine, and, and she's always telling the people, Stand up straight, you know. I mean, everybody's going around as a question mark, looking down at their phone. It's killing their necks. They're young and they don't notice. But, I mean, it's really important to be aware of your surroundings. Be present. Yeah, and there's a lot of ways that we can use mindfulness. And one of those exactly like you're just saying is just being where your feet are and noticing what's going on around you. And so many times we're distracted or into our phones or thinking about what we have to do next or exactly (laughs) instead of just being where we are. I mean, you know, you don't have to do it 24 seven, but I mean, you know, for five minutes when you're walking, walking down the street, you know, breathing, hopefully breathing the fresh air or, you know, looking at the flowers or whatever. It's just being here now, which Mm -hmm. was a very old book years ago. Be here now. Are there any other ways that you help your clients train mindfulness or use a mindful approach? Right now I have a bunch of of kids in high school that I'm working with golfers and tennis players individually. (laughs) It's pretty hard to get them to do any kind of mindfulness stuff, but uh, you know, I mean, I can get them on, get them on the golf course or get them on the tennis court. And the mindfulness part is letting go mainly of that mistake or letting go of a good point, go, you know, feel good about it and then refocus. So 
<laughs> That's the closest we come, actually. <laughs> it is It is sometimes really hard to train, and sometimes maybe it might not seem as cool or new age, you know? <laughs> I know, that's a bad rap. Even in Pilates class, you know, when my uh, friend gets a little woo-woo, you know, the kids roll their eyes and laugh. <laughs> sure, sure. New agey. New agey. Well, yeah. okay, tell us a little bit about why you do what you do. I mean, you've given us some some good strategies and tips in terms of you know, how you do it. But, you know, we know that just in performance psychology in general, knowing why you do what you do is a really powerful motivator. So why do you keep on doing this after 35 years? Oh, because it's always new and different. You know, even if it's with regular clients who have, I, I see people who are what, what I would call the worried well, who, you know, they don't have any kind of diagnosis, fortunately. I mean, they're getting divorced or they're going back to school, they, they lost their job or whatever it is. It's just, you know, natural problems. But it's very uplifting to work with people. And, and I don't know a lot about positive psychology. I've never really studied that or anything. But what I do in the sports psychology techniques is positive. And the kids are positive. You know, I mean, uh, well, kids, I mean, athletes are positive. And if they're not, I teach them how to be, you know, uh, that negative mindset. Uh, one thing that you asked me, is about things people struggle with. Part of it is the verbal negative things that they say to themselves, you know, just putting themselves down all the time. So definitely breaking that habit. You know, I'm sort of the uh, queen of reframing. And I think that's a really good thing to do because what it is, is it adopts a learning mindfulness, I think, of what am I supposed to be learning from this? Like if somebody has a horrible round of golf, and we look for what worked, what didn't, and what did he learn from that? Or what did she learn from that? And what would they do differently if they had it to do over again? So it's very uplifting. Um, I love the people I work with. It's, they're interesting. Uh, they want to change. They want to get better. Um, and so I've just, it's infinitely fascinating to me to work with people. I just love it still. Yeah. Oh, that's excellent. That's excellent. I liked what you said in terms of after the performance, thinking about three things, you know, what worked, what didn't, and, and what can I learn? Okay, you were just talking a little bit about reframing and addressing the verbal negative self-talk. And you're right that, you know, like we wouldn't typically say what, you know, what we say in our mind, we wouldn't say it out loud, right? Exactly. We're, we can be our own worst critic. So can you tell us a little bit about like how you might teach your clients how to address that, that negative voice in, in your head? Yeah. Part of it, what I call, I mean, you know, cause, and the kids laugh, you know, cause I'm going, oh, you probably say, oh, you suck or you stupid, blah, 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 you know, or whatever. And they go, yes. <laughs> um, what I tell them to do is to imagine a positive coach internally. So they have this inner coach, but the inner coach only uh, motivates them or encourages them. So that's one way of breaking it. You know, I mean, in, in the mental athlete, um, there's a section about uh, affirmations and the negative or negative things we say to ourselves and then rewriting something in a positive frame like that. Um, so that helps. It's, you know, it's mainly just them breaking a bad habit of putting themselves down all the time and, and 
you know, throwing your rackets or throwing your um, golf club or something like that. I mean, I break that really quick. Yeah. So self-talk you see is a negative bad habit. And one way to address that is to imagine a positive coach internally. Yes. It's motivating you or only giving you positive instructions. Yes. So it's like, come on, you can do it. You know, you can do it. You've trained hard for this. And so sometimes people have a better ability to imagine somebody else saying that to them than them saying that to themselves. I mean, you can say it to yourself. My PR in the the marathon many years ago uh, when I was running um, was 329 in San Francisco. And unfortunately, my affirmation that I used was keep on motoring on or something. I don't know. It It wasn't the best positive affirmation I could think of, but it kept me moving and I never stopped walking to walk. So that's it's, excellent. It's like whatever works. And I, I, I have several mantras or affirmations when I run as well. And one of the times I remember uh, running the Omaha Marathon and, and I was like, you know, I knew it was going to be hard. So I actually had four statements written on my arm <laughs> and marker. And good. the last six miles, I only repeated those to myself and that's all. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Whatever works. Yeah, it worked. I, I actually won the race and there was a point where right before <laughs> I started doing that, I wanted to give up. So it does yes. work. <laughs> it keeps you going for sure. It, for sure. It keeps you going. So okay, let, let's talk about yourself, uh, the next few questions. And one of the questions I want to ask you is about a time that, that you failed. And the reason I want you to share that story is because just to normalize failure and, and so that we can see failure in terms of having a growth mindset instead of a fixed mindset. So tell us about a time that didn't go so well for you personally, or you can think of one of your clients, but you know, tell us about a time that you failed and, and what you learned from it. Oh my. Well, I can think of three or four. Mostly the failures I can think of are bomb talks. <laughs> it didn't go over very well. Horrifying, humiliating, and like it's, oh, well, move on. One of them was, and the hardest was, it wasn't uh, sports psychology peers, but it was uh, a local talk that I gave um, to, gosh, what were they? They were like psychologists and counselors and things. And, they were very, you know, they're, they're a hard group. <clears throat> Mainly, I just thought, well, what I learned was I had to, I was too disconnected from them, the way the thing was set up, and I was too far away, and so I should have, you know, gotten off of uh, being so disconnected and, and been, you know, within the group and in front of it closer. That would have helped. And it's been too long now. I can't remember all the content that it was, but that was horrible. (laughs) And then let's see. One of the things that I learned how to do, um, I used to do some stuff for the Forest Service, and I would go to different uh, Western states and do things. And I remember there was some heckler, and it was a huge bunch of people, or four or 500 of them, um, and there was some guy that was just giving me such a hard time. He's asking me all these questions and I just, this should be self-evident, but anyway, it occurred to me to say, um, that's a really good question and I'd like to answer it in detail. Could you come up to me after we finish talking and, and talk to me? They never do, by the way. Sure. They sure. hardly ever do. Sometimes they do, but I thought, man, that's, that was really, and this was, you know, 
I never had any really training in how to give presentations. I mean, I was a professor, so I just, you know, learned how to do stuff. But one of the things about failure that I would call it, in a personal growth workshop that I took years ago, one of the statements was, there is no failure, only feedback. I thought that was one of the best statements or affirmations that I have ever heard because it takes away the stigma of failure and it is feedback. And so that's what I have these kids, you know, what did you learn? Um, how would you do it differently? You know, you take advantage of that feedback. Absolutely. I heard somebody else refer to it today is that we should approach new things that we're doing as an experiment so that, you know, that we don't see failure right. even as a possibility. So I like that idea. There, yeah. There's not failure, but only feedback. All right. So Kay, one question I have for you is, I know you're looking at the top 10 traits of high performers in front of you. Tell us about which one you think is most related to high performance. And I'm sure that it's probably tough because you'll, all of them are supported in our field in some way, but is there anything that really sticks out to you in terms of the people that you worked with, you know, the, the pro athletes, the elite athletes, the business leaders, anything that you see that they do really well? Yeah. Um, three and seven, both. Three is they master their thinking patterns. And we've been talking about, about that a lot of how they change their thinking patterns. Um, in fact, currently I'm working with a an executive who's working with this uh, and trying to be more positive in the way that he's working with his, his uh, staff and so forth. So I think that's a really important thing. I mean, he, he realized that he kept saying in his mind, not out loud, oh, we can't do that. Mm. You know, <laughs> that's not a good thing <laughs> to think all the time. And so three would be one um, and seven they are comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think that's really an interesting concept of impersonal growth, of creating comfort wherever you are. And when I first started in the field and I, um, I was uncomfortable with uh, professional women sometimes that I was working with in groups. And let's see, what was my affirmation? I am comfortable in any social situation. Well, the universe served up some really horrible things for me, but it made me comfortable anywhere. <laughs> One of the times I was giving a talk uh, at the Pittsburgh Marathon, and so I, I had taken my run, and I went to the, I think it was a Pittsburgh plate glass building or something, and the buzzer goes off, and all these people dressed to the hill were coming out. It was 12 o'clock and they were all coming out of the building. And I was in my, I was sweaty. I was in my running uh, tights and shirt. And I kept saying that affirmation over and over again. So I get up to the office and um, I talked to the race director and he had somebody with him who I had been talking to on the phone for several months about trying to get on some program or something. I'm going, hi, glad to meet you. <laughs> but you okay. feel comfortable because that was your affirmation. <laughs> I know. It's too funny. It's like, be careful what you ask for, honestly. That's excellent. All right. So, Kay, let's, let's go to a few quick questions. We know that you have the visual athletics book that we've already mentioned that has guided visualizations. 
The Mental Athlete is another book that you wrote. You know, both of those are, are still available on Amazon. And then you also mentioned The Unstoppable Golfer by Bob Rotella. Is there uh-huh. any other book or resource that you'd recommend the audience check out? But actually, The Mental Athlete, in its lifetime, it's had four, three or four incarnations publishing-wise, and it's sold about 90,000 copies altogether, which is for a teeny little sports psychology um, niche is quite a few. So yeah, that's excellent. Really, you know, the, and it's, it's been out of print for a while now. Um, it's probably, I don't know whether how people see it, you know, but I was really happy that it's sort of one of my legacies of leaving something behind uh, in addition to just working with people, you know, so I'm really proud of that. Visual Athletics is a really great book, but it just never got printed much. It's too bad. It's yeah, not it is a great book. And if anybody's interested in the, the written visualizations, um, that's the book that has that. Again, The Mental Athlete is an excellent book as well. And you yeah, The Mental Athlete actually has uh, probably about 20 visualizations in it. It's got quite a few. Excellent. Excellent. And then you mentioned the MP3s that people can find on your website. A few quick questions before we close up. And then what advice would you have for those high performers who are listening? So those people who are working to reach, you know, their best more often, do you have a final message for them, Kay? Um, Yes. Um, Trust yourself. Trust your training. Let go of mistakes. Refocus. And enjoy your successes before you go on to the next goal. Acknowledge yourself, you know, acknowledge those, those successes. Acknowledge if you're physically um, an athlete, you know, thank your body. In fact, thank your anybody. Thank your body, mind, and spirit for its health, vitality, strength, and power, you know. We take it for granted, and I think it's really important to acknowledge all those things. You know, one thing that you just said that it made me think about, you had mentioned earlier, but I didn't ask you a follow-up question about that. You kind of said when, when people make mistakes, the key is to like let go and then refocus. Can you tell us a little bit about how you might help somebody refocus? Well, first of all, I teach them that refocusing technique, which is the blinking, breathing, and it literally wipes your mind clean, honestly, because you're focusing on blinking, you're focusing on breathing, and then you're looking side to side. So the side to side is if you're too much in your left brain and analyzing too much, then it balances that. It makes you less analytical. If you're too emotional, um, it makes you less emotional. So it balances your, you know, those two modalities. Um, so that's the first thing that I teach any athlete or actually business person if if we're going that direction in practically the first session I do with them because it gives them something they can take away and do and have success with, you know, and it becomes a habit. And it's something that you can easily do no matter where you are. Yes. Yeah. You're not looking, you know, you're not listening to something that I've said or reading a book or anything. It's something physical you can do. And it's really powerful. This stuff is the energy psychology stuff is very powerful and it really works. I can't wait to check it out. So <laughs> for those people who are interested in contacting Kay, you can head over to thementalathlete.com. That's where you can find the books and her MP3 files that she talked about. Is there any other way that you would encourage the listeners to reach out to you, Kay? 
my uh, email address, which is on the website, but it's kporter1 at comcast.net. And it's just K-A-Y-P-O-R-T-E-R, the number one, <clears throat> at comcast.net. And are there any social media sites that you're oh, on? Oh, yeah. Let's see. I'm on Facebook. Oh, goodness. Facebook and Twitter. And let's see. Well, I have also the Mental Athlete and the Spirit of Walkers, which is a walking group that I coach. Uh, both have pages on Facebook. But Facebook, you can find me. And then it's under Dr. Kate Porter uh, on Twitter. So that's pretty easy to find. DR. Excellent. Excellent, Kay. Well, thank you so much for your time and your energy. There's, yeah, it was super fun. And you know, the, the things that I really got out of the interview in terms of my takeaways is I love the refocusing technique that you shared, the blinking, the three deep breaths, and then looking left to right. Are there any other, is that, is that what you refer to it as, is refocusing technique, or do you use any yes. other titles? Okay. No, that's what I call it. Yeah, uh, there's there's something else I teach people too that's too too complicated to go into, but it's called the uh, daily energy routine, and it's a, a tapping and breathing um, technique that comes out of a, an old book called Energy Medicine by a woman named Donna Eden E D E N, and it's really great stuff. And I, I've sort of adapted that and teach people how to do that. What it does is it gets you in your own energy field. Um, so you're not affected by other people energetically. And that's very, very nice to do. And so I teach my athletes that or my clients that, um, well, that sounds so. excellent. So if, in, if you're interested in that, you should go connect with the K over at the mental athlete. So the three takeaways I'm taking K is the refocusing technique. I thought that was interesting and you're right. Cutting edge in performance and sports psychology. The second thing I'm taking away is the three things that you help that you have athletes think about after performance, what worked, what didn't, and what did I learn? Love that. And then your quote in terms of there's not failure, only feedback. So I just want to thank you so much, Kay, for joining us and sharing your wisdom and your advice with those listeners. Well, I appreciate it. One thing I didn't mention is I do phone sessions. And so I can talk to somebody, you know, even in another country if they want to do something like that. But thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun. I really appreciate it. It's been awesome talking with you. So thank you so much for joining us. Okay, thank you. Thank you for listening to High Performance Mindset. If you like today's podcast, make a comment, share it with a friend, and join the conversation on Twitter at Mentally Underscore Strong. For more inspiration and to receive Syndra's free weekly videos, check out DrSyndra.com.